Hey guys, it's Kayla. It's Evan. And welcome to Potskies. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Podski. Welcome. So this is a continuation of our fetal surveillance episode where we spoke about how we look for things like abnormalities and checking that baby's doing okay during pregnancy as well as during the intrapartum period. Yeah. What this episode is going to focus on, however, is our CTG. Mm-hmm. So cardiotocography. I can never say that word right. Mm-hmm. But we're going to focus on the CTG and we're going to focus on how to tell if baby's doing okay, how to tell if baby's not doing so well, um, and et cetera, et cetera. Specific things to look for, essentially, during the intrapartum period. Mm-hmm. So I guess the first really important thing to do is to differentiate what we're looking for on the CTG during the antenatal period as well as during the intrapartum period. So during the antenatal period, when we're performing a CTG, we're looking for a baseline fetal heart rate of 110 to 160 beats per minute. This is the same during the intrapartum period. So that's baby's normal heart rate. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking for baseline variability. We will explain these terms in further a bit later on, but our baseline variability is any, anywhere between six beats per minute and 25 beats per minute. We're looking for two accelerations within a 20 minute period and we're looking for no decels at Mm -hmm. all. During the intrapartum period, it is exactly the same. So we're looking for a normal baseline variability between six to 25 beats per minute. Our accelerations, we're just looking for them in general Mm -hmm. and we're looking for, again, no decels. And that's really, really important. Yeah. So now we're gonna move on. First of all, we'll give you a really nice mnemonic when interpreting a CTG. And then we'll go on to break down the different things in the mnemonic and and explain them a little bit more. So the mnemonic is Dr. C Bravado, and we'll go through it. So the first one is the doctor, and that's define risk. So when we look at the CTG, we want to first get a more holistic picture or a more complete picture. And first of all, find out when the CTG was done, why it's done, and a little bit more about mum and about baby as well. So if there's any risks. So for example, if I got a CTG, Um, from a woman who was 39 weeks pregnant with no complications, then I would be less worried than if I got um, a CTG from a woman at 29 weeks um, with gestational diabetes, for example. So it's good to know the background. Um, After that, the C is for contractions. So we're counting the number of contractions in 10 minutes. Then the B and the R is the baseline rate, which we explained before. So we're looking between 110 and 160. Then we're looking for variability, so we want more than five of those, and we'll explain that as well. The A is for accelerations, the D is for decelerations, and then the O is just for overall. So looking at this picture, do you think that this is normal or if this is an abnormal picture? Another thing to point out is that CTGs are notorious for not really being able to see often when things are going wrong, but they're a really good modality to use just to make sure that everything is going going okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So baseline fetal heart rate needs to be done when there's no fetal movement, there's no uterine activity, and there's no D cells. And that's really important, especially with things like uterine activity, because if there is uterine uterine activity, we expect baby to react to that uterine activity. Mm-hmm. So we want to do it when mum's essentially mm-hmm. quiet. And of course, the um, no uterine activity we're talking about now in the intrapartum period. Period, yeah. We, we so don't want a uterine activity in yeah. the antenatal, yeah. So essentially, you're looking for a baseline fetal heart rate. To determine baseline fetal heart rate, you're looking at a time when mum's not contracting, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to talk to us a little bit about baseline variability? Sure. So the variability is really a really good marker of, first of all, the fetal well-being. And secondly, it tells us a lot about the neural output of baby. 
um, and really in the variability here we're looking to see how the CTG moves so we actually don't want a constant heart rate like in humans no uh, in, not in, in humans in, in adults <laughs> Um, babies are humans yeah. too. <laughs> um, so we don't want a constant heart rate. And really it's because baby's sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system is really starting to develop. So when we have peaks in the CTG, so an increase in the heart rate, this is representing the sympathetic drive. And when we have a decrease or a trough in the heart rate, this is representing the parasympathetic drive. And it's also important to point out that this parasympathetic drive develops later on. And so in premature traces, so in babies less than 28 weeks, we might not see many troughs. So you might actually have um, a really high heart rate or low variability. Yeah, beautiful. So we're looking for 6 to 25 beats per minute between the highest peak and the lowest trough in a one-minute segment. Mm -hmm. And we're looking at this at three to five cycles per minute. Mm -hmm. The most important feature of a fetal CTG is again, variability. And if variability is present, this indicates to us that ox oxygen supply is usually all good. Yeah. <laughs> it's essentially adequate, um, regardless of any other features. The most common cause of things like reduced variability is often a deep sleep. So babies do sleep in utero, but the one thing that we have to keep in mind also is hypoxia and fetal compromise. Mm -hmm. um, we have to rule that out yeah. because it could be a reason why there is a reduced variability. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about accelerations. Our accelerations are an increasing fetal heart rate above the baseline of at least 15 beats per minute, lasting more than 15 seconds. So it is quite easy once you see the trace, mm -hmm. once you're used to seeing traces, to differentiate between an acceleration and variability. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a really good sign of fetal response to stimulation. So. Correct me if I'm wrong, they usually come after a contraction. Yeah, usually. Yeah, so yeah. it's in response to that reduced oxygen supply after a contracting, mm -hmm. like after a contraction, mm -hmm. that baby's able to increase their heart rate, mm -hmm. which is increasing blood flow. Yep. And then it comes down after a moment yep. to which be is like, again, okay, I'm back to normal. Now. Yeah, which is again yeah. compensation. It's what we do when we go for a run. That's it. Yeah. So we're looking for two in 20 minutes uh, in a CTG antenatally, as I, as I mentioned before, because that shows reactivity. Um, and the really important thing to know is that re reactivity is normally reduced during the intrapartum period. So two accelerations in the time frame reported example, one hour in the time period of a one hour is enough to indicate to us that baby's okay. Yeah, and again, pretty much just adding on to what you said, when we have accelerations, we know that baby's moving. Yeah. yeah so yeah. now we move into deceleration. So decelerations are a reduction in the fetal heart rate um, below the baseline of 15 beats per minute in a 15 second time period. And there's three main decelerations that we can have or the picture that we can have on a CTG. So the first one is the early deceleration. And these are uniform decelerations and they usually come after a uterine contraction. Mm. Here, the heart rate generally doesn't really fall under 110 and it's really reflecting baby's head being compressed. Yeah. Um, and this deceleration is mediated by the parasympathetic nervous system again through the vagus nerve, and it's not a sign of fetal distress. The next one that we have are late deceleration. So these come slightly after the um, uterine contraction. contraction. So yeah. again, early comes with the uterine contraction, and late comes after. And again, these are uniform, but they're associated with decreased variability. And this is bad because it's reflecting what we call a chemosensor response. So there's actually chemical imbalances that are going on in baby because of hypoxia um, and lack of oxygen that are driving this parasympathetic response. Yeah. And again, so this usually indicates fetal hypoxemia, so low oxygen in the blood. Yeah. 
And then we have variable variable decelerations, and these are probably the worst. The way I remember them is they look like a V on the CTG. Yeah. And they're called variable because they come randomly. So they can come before, during, or after a contraction. And these are bad because they reflect umbilical cord compression. Yeah. And this is really indicating fetal distress. Yeah. Now, we also have a number of abnormalities that can happen um, when we talk about contractions. Kayla, did you want to go through some of them? Yeah. So the first thing is tachystole. Mm-hmm. Tachystole. Tachysystole. Thank you. It's a weird one. <laughs> which is which is more than five active labor contractions in 10 minutes. So usually we're looking for four within 10. Mm-hmm. This is more than five within 10. Uh, we're looking for things like uterine hypertonus. So contractions lasting more than two minutes, poor mum, or occurring within 60 seconds of each so other. So mum not really getting a break in yeah, between and, contractions. And uterine hypertonus is common when you have um, syntocinone infusion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of the side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uterine hyperstimulation. So tachys. I can't do Tachy-systole. it. Thank you. Or uterine hypertonus with fetal heart rate abnormalities. Um, if tachycystole or uterine hypertonus occurs, uh, usually we have like a, we need to reduce uh, oxytocin or a cessation of to- tocolysis should be considered. Mm-hmm. Um, if there is uterine hyperstimulation, we must reduce or cease, cease that oxytocin or syntocin and consider tocolysis or urgent delivery mm-hmm. of baby. So just a couple of things with the uterine abnormality. First of all, tocolysis are really drugs that I administer to stop uterine contraction. And the reason why we worry about things like tachycystole and uterine hyperstimulation is because every time a contraction occurs, blood flow to baby is reduced. Yes. I guess two things we're worried about. The first thing is for mum, we're worried about, you know, really tiring mum out and mum not being able to continue on with labour or having an obstructed labour. But secondly as well, again, reduced blood flow to baby is not good and we don't want to put baby in fetal distress. No. So a couple of units, I guess, that we can talk about or a couple of drugs that we use for tocolysis are things like um, tuberculine. So we can give that subcutaneously or intravenously, and this is 250 mics. Uh, Salbutamol IV as well, so that's 100 mics. A GTN sublingual spray as well. That's 400 mics. Sublingual spray. Spray, spray, sorry. <laughs> um, and nifedibine as well, but that's often too slow. Okay, interesting. All right, guys, that's the end of our Podski episode in regards to CTG. Um, again, you can find us on streaming platforms such as Spotify, CastBox, and Apple Podcasts. And you can find us on social media, including Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We say this every week. Um, please like and review our podcast so we know what we can do to cater the episodes to you what you like what you don't like um and i think that's about it for me yeah yeah so uh i'm kayla and uh i'm ever <laughs> shut up i forgot my name for a second <laughs> um i'm kayla yeah. <laughs> so i'm kayla and i'm kayla <laughs> take care of yourselves guys look after yourselves <laughs> bye